0: you know, so many people who are dealing with health issues, like aren't willing to be that kind of resilient and continue like pushing through to get to the end. Like a lot of people end up, I feel like just kind of waving the flag.
1: Hey friend, this is episode 407 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope your February is off to a great start. If you're getting a little bit discouraged with your New Year's resolutions, welcome to the club. I'm sure you're not the only one. I personally don't even do them anymore because it never works. I actually started a lot of the stuff that I'm shifting uh, back in August of last year because I didn't want to wait until the New Year. But if you want encouragement in the goals that you have set and really to ground yourself back into what you're doing. Episode 401 that we released at the end of the year was a good one to listen to. It was with my friend Jonathan Shane. We chatted all about goals and how to set goals, how to get um, reintroduced into them, how to pick yourself back up when things aren't working and how to be real with yourself. So it's a good one. If you need that encouragement, go and check that out. Okay. So here today, I wanted to share with you an episode that I did with my friend, Chris Irvin. He and I have known each other for quite some time. I think we met at like KetoCon or something like that many, many years ago, and we really hit it off. He had me on his podcast a little while ago, really talking about how to know what's going on in your body and how to look at your blood work and, and get some answers for yourself. So if you want more details about this, maybe you even have blood work, you can kind of follow along. It's a really helpful episode for that. So I reached out to Chris after we'd done the podcast episode together on his show. And I said like, Hey, Chris, can I use this audio for my show? Because it was such a great conversation between the two of us and he agreed. So this is the audio recording that he posted on his show. I'll tell you a little bit about Chris, and then we'll jump into today's episode. So Chris Irvin is a nutritional researcher, writer, and educator uh, specializing in low-carb diets for human performance and metabolic health. He holds his master's degree in exercise and nutrition science. Chris is the author of Keto Answers, The Carnivore Diet for Beginners, and Mommy, Do I Have to Eat This?, Chris is also the host of the Keto Answers podcast and is the chief marketing officer for BioCoach. So really good stuff. Definitely check out the Keto Answers podcast. I think I've been on that show a couple times. Really love what he's doing. And if you want to go deeper into your blood work, a good place to go for that is healthfulpursuit.com slash labs. So in there, um, it's a freebie you can download and has a whole list of all the markers um, that I generally recommend so you can go through and really understand not only what markers to ask for, but how to prepare yourself and your body for the blood work. Because it's super important when you're looking at your blood functionally you need to prepare for them properly. So again, that's healthfulpursuit.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-F-U-L-P-U-R-S-U-I-T.com slash labs. Okay, let's cut over to today's interview. Hey, my name is Leanne Vogel. I'm fascinated with helping women navigate how to eat, move, and care for their bodies using a low-carb diet. I'm a small-town holistic nutritionist turned three-time international best-selling author turned functional medicine practitioner, offering telemedicine services around the globe to women looking to better their health and stop second-guessing themselves. I'm here to teach you how to wade through the wellness noise to get to the good stuff that'll help you achieve your goals. We're supporting your low-carb life beyond the if-it-fits-your-macros conversation. Hormones, emotions, relationship to your body, workouts, letdowns, motivation, blood work, detoxing, metabolism. I'm providing the tools to put your motivation into action. Think of it like quality time with your bestie mixed with a little med school so you're empowered at your next doctor visit. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn about your body and how to care for it better. This is the Keto Diet Podcast.
0: Leanne how you doing today?
1: I am so good Chris how are you doing?
0: I'm doing really good were you able to uh were you able to kind of skirt the hurricanes that were going on or what what's uh what happened with you during that?
1: Yeah we were okay yeah we were okay you know living on a boat it's always kind of like what are we gonna do what's gonna happen very last minute where are we going sometimes that could be more stressful than just our house can't move so we're dealt with this so what about you yeah. guys?
0: Yeah, we, we ended up, um, we were very fortunate. We uh, were in the Tampa Bay area. And, you know, initially they were calling for our area to get hit really hard. And we were, you know, we live in a flood zone, kind of the worst flood zone that you could be in. So we were evacuated a, a couple days before. And fortunately for our area, you don't have to go very far to get to an area that's like pretty safe in terms of flooding. So we were able to go stay with friends like 45 minutes away. But, you know, the hurricane ended up taking a, a dip south kind of last second and missed us. So we're fortunate fortunate, but you know, as I know, you know, kind of have that little bit of like a hurricane guilt thing, you know, and it's like, yeah. you're, you're counting your blessings that you didn't get hit, but then you see, you know, the destruction that everybody down in, in Fort Myers is seeing. And, you know, it's sad because that's, you know, it's just nothing you can do about it. So uh, we're fortunate, but we're definitely, you know, sending a lot of prayers down to the people in the Fort Myers area.
1: Completely. It's, it's a challenge we all go through. It's like, please don't hit anyone. Just like go out yeah. into the ocean. <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's such a crazy thing. Like the, you know, the hurricanes, you know, I grew up in the Midwest where we had tornadoes and like, you know, tornadoes are, they're way less anxiety because there's no prep time for it. Like, so that, that's a con of it is that you can't really prep for it, but they just, they just come. But you know, with hurricanes, it's like a week ahead of time. You're like, yeah, like people are calling, like I had my family calling me on Sunday and they're like, you know, what are you going to do for the hurricane? I'm like, I don't know. It's still like four days away. Like, (laughs) we're just kind of waiting and seeing. Yeah. Um, So it's, yeah, it's a little anxiety. For sure, it's so true. So yeah, so what what's new in uh, Leanne Vogel's world? So you know, I was excited to have you on because I always view you as like one of the OGs in the keto space. You're like one of the first people to have. Were you actually the first person to have a keto podcast? Were you patient number one on that? Yeah,
1: I mean, um, there was a low carb podcast, but mine was the first keto podcast. So I was like, yoink, taking the keto diet podcast. That's mine. I'm going to do that before anyone else can.
0: Yes. Yeah. So you're you're like definitely like the OG in the space, and now obviously everything's like blown up, and you know everybody's talking about keto now. But it's been really cool to see. How, you know, just following your stuff on on social media, we were catching up a little bit before this, but you know, you've you've changed a lot about like the, the stuff that you're talking about and you have, you know, new topics that you're getting into. So would love to get into some of those topics and just kind of hear about what like what kind of prompted that transition for you to, you know, not just be educating about keto diet for, you know, weight loss and women's health and now starting to talk about some of these new topics.
1: Yeah, completely. I think for every practitioner out there, any content creator, we are most passionate about the things that we've seen firsthand, whether that be a loved one that struggled or even our personal experience. And I found keto at a very interesting time in my life. I was vegan. I um, hadn't had a period in seven years at that point, amenorrhea, they call it. And I really just needed something to work. And so that's when I found keto. I started eating keto. And after a year and a bit, I got my period back. So fast forward a bunch of years, and I had been doing keto. I had full metabolic flexibility And then I got told I had a parasite and my health had been declining like diet, like just weird things were happening. Like I was grinding my teeth so and terribly bad that I had to go to the dentist and get a bunch of work done. I was drooling a lot at night, like more than normal, like a lot of drooling overnight. And just a couple of pieces, my digestion wasn't optimal and my diet was dialed in, like dialed in. And so when I was told that I had a pathogenic parasite that was slowly killing me, I was like, wait, how did I get this? How did I miss this? When did I have this? How, how does all this picture come into play? And so I hired somebody to help me. They didn't really do the best job. My symptoms got worse. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to figure this out myself because that's kind of my MO. And that's when I dug in. I, I went back to school. I studied functional blood chemistry, parasites, mold illness, root cause issues. And the pieces started pulling together like, oh, that's why I couldn't eat super low carb because I was living in mold. Oh, that's why I was drooling nonstop at night because I had parasites. Like all these things started piecing together of just... I think oftentimes we think that, and and rightfully so, I think food is a big part to it, but we think that if I can just get my macros perfect, then everything will fall into place. And for a lot of us, unfortunately, the diet isn't the only thing. And for a long time, I thought, you know, if I just eat bone broth every day and take my collagen, my gut will be fine. No, if you have a parasite. You can take bone broth left, right, sideways, upside down. It's not going to kill the parasite. So I would say that a lot of people that start eating the ketogenic diet and they feel great and everything's awesome, congratulations. You've won the lottery that's great. But for many people, it's just not enough. And I started asking, okay, what else needs to be applied to this? And that's kind of where my content is going with a ketogenic backbone. I had to take a break from the keto diet for about a year when I was pretty sick, because I absolutely needed it. I needed more nutrients, I needed a different thing. Um, and now kind of getting back into it, it was really, really simple for me to start eating keto again. But We need to understand that our bodies need different things at different times. And it was like, okay, I I can't do this right now. I might not be able to do it again, but it served me well with what I needed. I wanted to get my period back. Mission accomplished. It's going well. I've had my period for longer than I had amenorrhea. So like keto did what I wanted it to do. And just what are the next steps and, and how is my diet going to support me in that? So that's kind of the transition that then led to me now sharing different content.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. And I'm always like inspired by that too, because that, that really is where the best education comes from is when somebody's actually like living it. Like we see so many times now where, you know, influencers and people on social media are educating on things that they've never actually experienced um, themselves. So they don't, you know, they, they kind of have that lack of ability to connect with the people who are actually dealing with those issues, right? And like, if you've actually been there, then you know, you know, what that's like. And, you know, the, I think it's interesting you point out the, the diet part because I think that happens a lot of time. I know that definitely happens to me where, you know, we're nutrition people. We think about nutrition. I, I tend to have the view that everything can be resolved with diet, right? Like, if you have anything going on, like, it's probably it's definitely something in your diet. Like, You know, and and part of that I think is stems from like, you know, a control thing, like wanting to be in control and feeling like diet is something that, you know, you have control of where something like a parasite is something that you you don't I mean, you have the control in the sense of what you do about it, but the fact that you got it is not something that you you necessarily have control of. You know, and that's not like overeating yourself to, to poor health. So I'm curious, you know, I don't know a ton about parasites you know, like my brain would tell me that, you know, a lot of the symptoms you would experience would be digestive related. Is that true? Or or is it not like that?
1: Not at all. Not at all. And like, to to take off your point a little bit, like you can eat yourself into bad health that then allows a parasite to come in. And I see that quite Uh often. If you're eating garbage food and you're super stressed out, your stomach acid is probably going to be pretty low. And I mean, we consume parasites. It happens. Undercooked meat, raw fish like sushi and all those sorts of things, they're coming into the body. And a healthy, balanced body should be able to fight off parasites no problem. But if you have have been traveling to a foreign country with weird food, you're not rested, your stomach acid is probably lower, the chances of catching a parasite are a lot higher and your body not being able to fend that off. And so... When we think just acutely, 100%, most parasite symptoms will show up digestively. And I know the minute I got my parasite, it was 2013. We went to Dominican Republic. Um, we had a great time on a scuba vacation. And on our way back, I ate an apple and instantly I was not okay. And I was not okay for about three days. And then My digestion was never totally the same. Like I was pretty sensitive to foods more than I was previously, but I was kind of like, whatever, it's probably just my digestion. I just need to eat more bone broth. And that then became a chronic issue and started with a bunch of other symptoms. Like a big one that people experience is anal itch. That is a very, very common symptom of parasites. Uh, Hormone dysregulation, estrogen dominance, because the parasites will actually create estrogen and stimulate estrogen production. Headaches, migraines, biting your fingernails or picking at your nails, that's another big one. Anemias. So if you look at your recent blood work, even if it was a couple of years ago, and your ferritin is between like 25 to 40 Chances are you have a parasite because those parasites actually eat up ferritin. They eat up nutrients, iron, B12, B6. Um, So if your nails are brittle and maybe you're a nutritionist or maybe in the past you've really felt intuitively like... You're just low in all your nutrients. You can take B12 and it makes you feel worse. You can take iron supplements, it makes you feel worse. And yes, there are those standard abdominal cramping, diarrhea, constipation, those sorts of things. But oftentimes it's outside of that. If you see dark circles around your eyes, that's another big one. Floaters in your eyes, that's another big one. I mean, eczema. Like There are a lot of different symptoms outside of the GI that can tell us whether or not you might be dealing with parasites.
0: Wow. And so it sounds like you had to have been dealing with that for a while if it was back in 2013 that you had it, right? So when did you actually recognize that you had it?
1: Yeah, it was very late 2019. I had reached out to a practitioner because I'm like, I'm missing something, you know, as practitioners, um, a good coach always has a coach. And that's very, very true. And I just said like, I'm missing something. My diet is dialed in, but like, I'm not gaining muscle. My hormones are good. Like, I'm getting my cycle, but my estrogen is still really low. And I've tried everything and I don't know what's still going on. Like, I'm out of ideas. And she's like, why don't we do a stool test? And I'm like, okay, great. So we did the stool test and, um, there's a pathogenic parasite called Entamoeba histolytica and it came back on my, my stool test and parasites don't like to be found so when they are found in a stool test it's kind of a big deal i usually use symptoms in conjunction with blood work patterns to tell whether or not we have parasites because your immune system will look a little bit different if you have a parasite and so this was the beginning of 2020 i've been told i have a parasite i'm starting to make those connections and she put me on a 30-day parasite cleanse and said after this you won't have problems not a thing. If you've had a parasite (laughs) for as long as I did, it's not going to go away after 30 days. And so what ended up happening is we woke up the parasite. We got my body knowing that there was a parasite there. And then we just stopped all the treatment. And so I got way, 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 way worse. Like so Wow terrible brain fog. My digestion was a mess. I was so constipated. I could not go no matter what I tried. I was getting really bad, like tension headaches up my head. And then I just said, you know what, I'm just going to figure this out myself. So when you have some of those pathogenic parasites and chronic parasite issues, it has to be longer than a month. A parasite life cycle, depending on the type of parasite, can be anywhere between two to three, sometimes even four months. And so... If you're only spending a month killing these guys, it's not going to be enough. There's a life cycle to them. And it's important to understand that in order to treat them effectively. Everybody says that when you start a ketogenic diet and the further you get into your ketogenic diet, the more free from hunger that you are. I never really experienced that. Yeah, there have been times where I just haven't felt like it. And for sure, I can fast longer than I could ever be in glucose field. I've been keto off and on since 2014, primarily spending about 70% of my time in a state of ketosis. And I can tell you my snack game is just as strong as it was when I was fully glucose fueled. The only difference is that I crave meats and fats. Whereas before I could be found with maybe a little bag of popcorn or some sort of sweets. I really liked jelly bellies. So, I don't think my snacking will ever change, but definitely the quality of the products and just the structure of what I'm eating has definitely shifted. I will always have a bag of macadamia nuts or a protein bar or Paleo Valley sticks in my purse. Now, I really love their beef sticks. I am obsessed with their garlic summer sausage. All of my friends know that the way to my heart is through a Paleo Valley meat stick, and many of them stock them in their homes. So when I go over, I have a snack. It is so sweet. Now, Paleo Valley just released their pork sticks, their maple bacon flavor. I've had the chance to polish. Off two full bags of them. I can tell you that they are absolutely delicious, so tasty. If you want to give them a try, just go to paleovalley.com and check out all their snacks and drinks. They have a list of their pork sticks. They also have a link to their grass-fed beef sticks, which I am in love with. Their superfood bars also are pretty darn good. So again, that's paleovalley.com. Use the code KETO. Once you've loaded up your cart, KETO, the coupon code, will give you 15% off your first order of beef sticks or pork sticks or superfood bars. Anything you can find on there is 15% off with the code KETO.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. So what was the, cause yeah, my question was going to be is how do you kind of diagnose it? But it seems like it's a little bit indirect, like unless it's a severe thing in which you can diagnose it in a blood stool, you're probably going to have, I'm sorry, in a stool sample, you're probably going to have to do it via some blood work and some, some symptoms. So, you know, once you were able to isolate that, and then you you kind of went on this journey of learning, once you started kind of treating it yourself, how long did it take you to get rid of it? And then how did you know that you got rid of it? Was it again, just looking back at your blood work and and at your symptoms, or did you have kind of a way to test to make sure that you were in the clear?
1: It's such a loaded question. And I love it because it really gets into how do you address... Root causes properly. So, if anyone's listening and you're like, Yeah, but Leanne, tell me what I look for. How do I know if I have a parasite? You know, maybe you're dealing with chronic hormone issues, chronic adrenal issues, and there's just something missing. And you feel intuitively like something this Leanne chick is saying is like hitting a a nerve for me. Even liver issues. If you can't properly balance your blood sugar or you have a gallbladder removal, chances are there could be a parasite issue. If you look at your regular blood work and you look for isonophils, basophils, monocytes that are elevated, like I said, ferritin that's low, anywhere between 25 to 45, sometimes your bun will be low, sometimes your GGT will be low, sometimes alkaline phosphatase will be low, and like chronic parasite issues that are generally paired with Lyme. Lyme is a pathogenic bacteria, and Babesia, which is one of its co-infections is parasitic in nature. And oftentimes, if this little guy is there, the alkaline phosphatase of your blood work is gonna be around like 30 or 40. And white blood cells can also be elevated or low. Um, I usually see in chronic issues, them being low around four. And in less chronic issues, they're usually around like eight. And additional testing, like I said, the stool testing. Now, if you go to your doctor and you say, I listen to a podcast and I think I have parasites. Will you test me? The doctor will probably ask, well, did you travel to like India over the last week? And you're like, no, not at all. But I think I've had this for forever. Uh, they probably won't do one, but if they agree to it, chances are it's probably not going to capture it. I like to use DNA testing specifically of uh, stool testing, something called GI map from Diagnostic Solutions, um, and that will catch at least your dysbiotic pattern a lot better than just a random stool sample so then maybe by then and those patterns with symptoms and blood work and perhaps some stool testing you're like okay i think i have a parasite i need to work through this so if you then determine that you have a parasite you think that you do, then we have to follow a clear order of operations. So think of your body like a sponge. The sponge needs to be squeezed out. How we squeeze that out is through our bowels. You have your poo, you got your kidneys, urine, skin, sweat. Chances are if you have a parasite, one or more of these pathways, we call them, are blocked. So first we need to open up those pathways via some supplements and some manual manipulation. Dry brushing is a good way, for example, to move your lymph. Okay. Making sure that you're going to the bathroom at least once, ideally twice a day and having a good bowel movement. And then you address parasites. And Usually for most people, you can address them in anywhere between two to four months, give or take. Um, But the more chronic issues like myself, it was like off and on, off and on, off and on for like a year as I worked through other things that were going on. And when you have parasites in your body, they work as vats for all sorts of things. So parasites love heavy metals, chemicals, mold. So they will eat up anything that you bring into your body and they will hold it. So as you're killing off these parasites, they're releasing all these things that they gobbled up along the way. And so oftentimes it's this layering of, okay, we killed some parasites. They released a bunch of stuff. Now let's clean up that stuff. Now let's go at parasites again. And so it's this evolving process, almost like peeling away layers and getting to the good stuff in the middle. And so now everything's pretty good. You know, all my testing is good. My symptoms are good. I'm back to eating keto. All is good with the world. And now I teach people how to do this.
0: Nice. Well, that's, it's amazing that you were able to just kind of stay diligent. Like I feel like you know, so many people who are dealing with health issues, like aren't willing to be that kind of resilient and continue like pushing through to get to the end. Like a lot of people end up, I feel like just kind of waving the flag and, and kind of settling for whatever the state of their health is. So, you know, I think it's amazing that you were able to to push through. One of the questions I have is, you know, so you, you talked about how, you know, once you get to the point of actually addressing the parasite it, and, and how long it can take, it kind of depends on how, how severe it is. What affects the severeness of it? Is it like, is it one of these things where the longer it's in your body, do like these things reproduce and you have more of the parasites or is it just become more resilient, you know, better at evading the, your immune system and all these different tactics that you may have of attacking it or what, what is it that kind of determines how strong this thing is?
1: That is such a good question. Number one, your drainage pathways. If you have had a gallbladder removal, that's a big red flag for me that there has been ongoing liver issues for a really long time. And so oftentimes if I onboard a client and they're like, yeah, I had my gallbladder removed 20 years ago or had my gallbladder removed at 18 and they're now 50... I'm like, okay, this is gonna take some time. We're probably gonna have to do some parasite work, do some liver work, do some parasite work, and just over time. Another big piece of this is trauma and like where you're at mentally, emotionally in your body. If you've experienced anything traumatic in your life that you haven't fully processed, I know it sounds a little bit woo woo, but oftentimes when people are are still in that space of living through their trauma. Um, There's a really good book on this. The Body Keeps the Score. It's really long, but it's fantastic. It talks about how your body literally holds those experiences in it. And if you haven't worked through those, it makes this deeper work, a lot more challenging, not impossible, but there's some work that needs to happen. Um, Number three is the type of parasite. So things like trematodes, which are flukes, they're a little bit tricky because they literally wedge up into the liver. And it's usually a combination of addressing liver flukes and doing liver flushes and kind of this combination as you get more and more comfortable with drainage pathway work and such. The ones you can see, so like 30% of parasites you're not going to be able to see, and those are going to be your protozoas generally. It's really frustrating because most of my parasites were protozoa, so I couldn't see them clearing. And not just, you know, when you're working with a client or you're doing this yourself, you kind of like want to see stuff in the toilet. You're like, yeah, but like, I want to see a worm or something. I want to see like something come out, you know, like, um, so that can be a little bit of a challenge, which can lead to a lack of motivation to like finish the job because you're not seeing, seeing anything happen, even though you're feeling things happen. So I oftentimes find that like the protozoas, um, can be a little bit more challenging to just keep things going. Yeah. So those are kind of like the big ones. And then I think too, just overall nutrient status, like understanding that because these things are eating up your nutrients, the nutrient piece is so, so key. And so you have this perfect storm of usually low stomach acid paired with some form of H. pylori, right? That's caused that low stomach acid over time, paired with parasites, uh, paired with some inflammatory issues. And so The longer things have kind of sat, the harder it can be, or the longer it can take to unpack these things. But I think the biggest piece of this is your willingness. And you talked about my willingness. Like I... I was not going to stop. And I was like, I'm just going to figure this out and take it day by day. And I think that willingness will be the the ticket that kind of pushes the needle, understanding like, what's your goal? I mean, my goal has always been to feel the best that I can. And I knew that I wasn't feeling as good as I could. And so... I was just curious, like, how much better can I feel? Because that's important to me. You know, I live a very active lifestyle. I have big plans for my life and I want to show up with them. Um, so I think that willingness really helps push things along and helps things recover a lot quicker than the person that just is like, and eh, I could take it or leave it you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, you know, this is one of those topics that like, well, I think in general, we always have to be advocates for our own health. Like nobody's going to care about our own health and wellness more than us. That's including our doctors. And, you know, I think there's, there's just certain conditions out there where, you know, you're not going to be able to go the traditional medical route and get the help that you need. Like you kind of highlighted a little bit at the beginning where even if you were to kind of identify yourself that you had a parasite and you had a doctor who was willing to test for it. Uh, and then even if you had a doctor who was willing to help treat it, you're, you're, probably not going to really get the care that you need because it's just such a, a specialized thing. And, you know, it's, it's interesting when you talk about all like the symptomology of it, because, you know, there's so many times where I'll have conversations with people and they'll be telling me, you know, you know, I'm not seeing, I'm having these issues still, but like my diet style in, I'm exercising, you know, I'm sleeping well and all these things are going well. And, you know, it always makes me wonder like, you know, what, what actually could be going on. So I'm curious, do you know, are there stats, you know, of like what percentage of people are dealing with something like this? Or is it one of those things where, it's kind of still like, like, it's not very popular yet that like, and so many people have it, but they don't know it. Or, or do we have any data on that?
1: So one of my mentors says, if you have a pulse, you have a parasite. I'm not sure I would go that far, but, and it's challenging. I don't know the exact stats, um, like of how many people are diagnosed with the super serious scary parasites, like bad ones that, you know, a doctor would see and be like, yeah, we need to address this stat. I think it's a more chronic issue than, well, I know it's a more chronic issue than, than the allopathic doctors tend to see. And it's really interesting because I've had multiple clients that reach out to me and they're like, I think I have parasites. I think I'm like, there's something in my poo. I don't know what this is. Can I send you a picture? I'm like, yes, definitely send it over. Let's look through it. And they will take that item and bring it to their doctor and show them like, this is what was in my poo. And the doctor will not believe them. Like, really? I mean, it's wow. just, it's insane. It's insane. And so... I think there's a lot of gaslighting happening of like, no, it's just, you know, you just ate some corn or you just had this, that, and the other thing. Unfortunately, what we see as being a parasite risk is traveling. So if you've gone to Mexico, yeah, you could have a parasite. If you traveled to India, yeah, you could have a parasite. But I think understanding that H. pylori, um, what's the statistic? I might get this wrong. I think it's like 70 to 80% of people experience H. pylori. Um, It's something that, I experienced recently. And I'm like, this is terrible. Like, how do people not know they have this? And when you have H. pylori at lower stomach acid, which brings all of those pathogens in, and I mean, they're everywhere. And this is not to scare people at all. And I went through that phase of like, How am I going to live? Where am I going to go? Like they're just everywhere. But the key is to coach up your vitality. And the best way to do that is to understand what your cells are telling us. And this is the most inexpensive test that you can do is just go to your doctor, ask for a CBC, a CMP14, your cholesterol panel. You can tell so much from these three tests and they're literally $20 and just see what are your cells saying? What are they needing? Oftentimes, it's a lot of nutrients. Oftentimes, it's addressing H. pylori, bringing in stomach acid support, addressing a little bit of parasites. But most of the people that come to me have a parasite because I'm dealing with people that are not feeling well. So I don't know the actual statistics. And I don't know if anything's been completed on like, this is how many people have them because I think it would be more functional in nature. But There's not one. Well, actually, there was one client who I really didn't feel like had parasites and we moved directly on to other work. Uh, But every single other client that I work with does at least at least two months of a parasite protocol because their cells are saying that there's something in there pathogen wise that we need to address.
0: Interesting. Okay. So that's kind of the, that is the next piece I want to get into a little bit is like looking at some of those blood results. I know before the the episode, you were talking a little bit about like functional blood chemistry, which, you know, I I want to give you a chance to explain what that is, but just the sound of it sounds like something that I'm very down for. You know, it's just on like the kind of the world that I I live in more on like the metabolic health side of things. You know, I'm always kind of disgruntled by the way that, doctors only look at like single blood markers and then they only look at like a one reference range for those single blood markers. They're not looking at, you know, how these blood markers relate to one another. And and I think it just leads to such an incomplete picture of health, which uh, it sounds like is kind of something similar here. So what is this this, um, kind of concept of functional blood chemistry that you're into?
1: Yes. Okay. So we talked about it a little bit before when I said, okay, here's how you can look at your blood work and determine whether or not parasites could be an issue. And so we first have to understand that labs are super beneficial. I love data, but we also have to like attach the data to your experience, right? So if when I'm talking about parasites, you're like, yeah, I really don't have any of those problems. Then chances are you probably don't have them and it's not something you need to be concerned about, right? So there's, there's the practitioner that will look at your blood work and say, just like you said, like I went to my doctor and you know, they said everything was normal, but I'm not feeling normal. So there's a disconnect. If I'm not feeling good and there's nothing in my blood work, am I the one that's wrong? And we're told, yeah, you're the one that's wrong. Like your blood work is fine. And so first we need to understand that allopathic doctors are looking at your blood work diagnostically. They're saying, based on these markers, what disease do you have? So if they give you a clean bill of health, congratulations, it's probably likely that you're not dying of some disease, right? Like you don't have a disease, but you're in this in-between place of you're not diagnostic, but you're something else. And that's functional. And so that's the functional part of blood chemistry. Then we need to understand, well, what's blood chemistry? So when you do your blood work, you're testing your cells for various things. It's at the cellular level. When you work with a naturopath or a functional medicine doctor, generally, they're going to be testing on an organ level. They're going to say, let's do a stool test. Let's do an oat test. Let's do a urine test. And they'll do all these functional tests without ever looking at your cells. And so, functional blood chemistry is the art of looking at your blood chemistry, understanding that there's something functional happening and not just looking at one marker, like what you said, Chris, but looking at the, I like to think of it like a song, like your body is giving off a certain song with all of the markers all together that give off a certain message that your body is saying. And that message could be parasites. That message could be digestive distress, mixed up with a little bit of H. pylori issues, mixed up with some low hydrochloric acid, mixed up with some iron need and some B12 need. You could have liver patterns where there's some liver stagnation, mixed up with some autoimmunity, mixed up with maybe some Borrelia or Lyme um, disease mixed up with some stress. So you can see these patterns that bring in multiple markers. Like, for example, um, the low hydrochloric acid pattern combines low albumin with low protein, with low alkaline phosphatase, with low calcium, low chloride. And so when you start to see all these markers kind of low, 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 you're like, okay, that's low stomach acid. The next piece to functional blood chemistry is understanding that the allopathic doctors really like Big ranges, right? They're looking for the sickest of the sick. They're testing the sickest of the sick and your blood reference ranges will be different depending on what state you're in, who's going for the tests. So you might see, or even the the company that's doing the blood work, like sometimes I'll notice that the ranges are different in Quest Labs and they would be at LabCorp because they have different ranges. And so another part of functional blood chemistry is understanding that we're not wanting that big, wide range. We want this little, tight, small little range so we can really understand what's going on functionally so we don't wait until things get out of whack. And And people know about this. You know, you go into your doctor every year and they say nothing about your glucose. Maybe, I'm sure this has happened to at least one listener today. And you go into your doctor and they say nothing about your glucose. The next year, nothing about your HbA1c, nothing about your insulin, nothing about your glucose. Years go by and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they say, hey, you got to get a handle on your blood sugar. And you're like, well, was it an issue last year? And they're like, no. But when you go back to your blood work, you literally see it climbing every year. Every year it has increased and they wait until it's in the diagnostic range to say something. And... This gets me pretty fired up because it's like that with every single marker and like you said it's it's not up to them necessarily to do all of the work. Unfortunately, we live in a world where we source out our health and wellness like management and it needs to be up to you to kind of look into things and That's why I studied functional blood chemistry, mostly for myself. That's why I now teach it. That's why I show my clients how to understand their own blood work so that they start to see the patterns and so that they could be educated well into the future after we've worked together so they can say, hmm, you know, last time this marker was this, but now it's increased. If it happens again, I should do something, you know, and not wait until it becomes diagnostic. Mm -hmm. I was traveling for the day and I had packed myself a lunch. It had all these tasty things in it. I was so excited to chow down, but I had to go to a meeting and I forgot my lunch kit with my husband. Now I'm sitting at that meeting. It's gonna be like a four to five hour meeting. I'm pretty hungry. I have my big ginormous 50 ounce water bottle beside me. I don't even have electrolytes. I'm digging through my purse thinking maybe, maybe I left a snack in my bag. And to my surprise, there was a little packet of sea salt macadamia nuts. And I must have squealed because people looked over and I was so excited. And man, did it pack a punch. I was so thankful to have those little fat bombs in my purse. Now, macadamia nuts are one of my favorite nuts. They are high in fat, low in carbohydrates, so incredibly satiating. Now, A lot of us keep fat bombs. You know, we went through that whole phase where we had all these fat bombs sitting around. I know I did. Maybe you're still in that phase of your ketogenic diet where you're spending all this time, energy, and money making different types of fat bombs. I encourage you instead to check out House of Macadamias. They make the most delicious macadamia nuts. Each little packet is loaded with flavor. They have onion, sea salt, zesty salsa, chocolate, white chocolate, and white chocolate raspberry dipped, dairy-free flavors of macadamia nuts. And there's no funky ingredients. It's like a great replacement to chips. If you like chips or little snacky things, Oh, these packets are incredible. When you go to houseofmacadamias.com slash KDP and check out their selection of fat-fueled snacks, their bars are really good too. And if you like what you see, you can use the coupon code KDP20 for 20% off your first purchase. That's houseofmacadamias.com slash KDP and use the code KDP20 for 20% off.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And that's, I mean, I'm so, such a big proponent of it. And like, you know, you mentioned like the glucose, insulin, HbA1c thing. You know, that's something at that like BioCoach, we're doing a lot of work with diabetes management, and that's, you know, an area that we, we talk about that all the time. And in fact, I think I just put out a video last week talking about kind of that phenomenon of like just tracking blood glucose, you know, and then just using that as the only marker, and then waiting until blood glucose reaches a threshold, and then taking a look at insulin, and then realizing insulin's high, but you know, the fact is insulin's probably been high for ten years, you know, based on what the research tells us, and and you wouldn't even know it. And you know, what's so frustrating about that approach is that it complete like we know that the best way to treat a disease is not to get it right? Preventative medicine is the best thing that you can do and you when you kind of when standard medicine goes that route you completely remove the possibility of prevention because you you wait until you get to the point where you actually have a diagnosis and then now you have to have reactionary medicine instead which you know I think is is just really frustrating and it's like the empowerment that you're speaking about here I think is really important because you know it's not i think it's often like we we position doctors as being like these kind of doctor evils that it's like their fault and and there are some doctors out there who are dogmatic and they're stuck in their own ways and they're not really interested in, in hearing you out but also a lot of doctors are are stuck with the restraints of insurance companies right like you know insurance companies won't order an insulin test if your blood sugar's not out of range you know so there's like in some situations so there's like there's little things like that that they have to deal with. And then you realize that like, you kind of do have to take that control of yourself. Like, you know, fortunately we do have the ability to go out and get blood work done, uh, blood work done ourselves. And it can be, you know, the main things that you want to look for can be affordable. So it's not necessarily a huge deal to do that. But then there's that other component of being able to interpret it. Like you can't just go off the reference ranges, especially when, you know, those reference ranges are based off of the most, the sickest people in our population. Right. So I, I think like, having that type of empowerment is, is incredible. And I know, I know that you are like helping people who are dealing with parasites and mold issues and stuff like that. So it sounds like you're also teaching them how to do this themselves then, right. you're kind of showing them how to interpret their own blood work. Is that right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So many of my clients, some of them don't even want to care. They're just like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. (laughs) Um, But many of them, I will send them audio messages and we'll go through the blood work step-by-step this is what this marker means, and this is the pattern that it's feeding into. And what I mean by pattern that it's feeding into is we need to understand that not one marker means one thing, And if multiple markers are pointing to the same thing, then it can complete a pattern or feed into that same pattern. Like, for example, with the parasite pattern that we covered, the more of those items that you have that are off kilter, the higher likely it is that parasites are at play in addition to your symptoms and history and all those things. So, yeah, I try to educate as much as I can of like, this is why we're doing this. This is a supplement we're doing. And I discovered, so like I've been a nutritionist since 2007. I've met with more. I don't even know. I should probably count how many clients I've had over the last 15 years. I determined that podcasts are great because you can pause them. You can come back to them and all the things. It's awesome. But when you're working with somebody one-on-one, you know, you leave your naturopathic office and you're like, what did she say about that thing? Like you have no idea what you just talked about or what supplements you're taking or who to ask or anything like that. So a a couple of years ago, I decided to move my practice completely digitally to the point where my clients work one-on-one with me over text messaging and audio messaging. And so we are given ample time to just go back and forth and I can send them audio messages. This is what this supplement is doing. This is why we're doing this. This is what it said in your blood work. And this is why, and it just, they start to learn to the point where when I graduate a client, like I had a client, I graduated last year and she messaged me a couple of weeks ago and said, Leanne, I ate something. I didn't feel right. Here's what I think it is. Here's what I did. Do you think that this is right? And I'm like, yes, yes. Yes. Nice. You did the right thing. That's what I want. Like, I want you to feel empowered and educated so that when things happen, because we do not live in a vacuum, like things will happen. You will get some sort of exposure. Uh, one of my clients went in for an MRI and they did the, um, the, uh, what is the thing where they put, uh, what is it called? The IV with the metals in it, uh, contrast test. And she instantly messaged me. She's like, I agreed to a contrast test without even thinking, but now I know what it is and I'm going to take this binder and I'm going to do this protocol. Is this okay? And I'm like, yes, that's perfect. I wouldn't change it. And so though, (laughs) yes, yes, that's what we want. I want my clients to have that. I want everyone to just, once you start learning and listening to your body and understanding your environment, it should become second nature to you. Just like when you're hungry, you eat like That's how it should be so that you can feel your best and accomplish your goals, whatever those things may be. And it's, it's not as complicated as we make it out to be.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think the other side of that too, is that there's I think there's a really important component of uh, a patient being able to play a role in their own health journey, right? Because I, I think when you go the traditional medicine route, you don't get to play a role. Like a lot of times, doctors don't want you to ask questions. They're not keen on helping you learn. You know, that's not really what they're in. And, and of course, you know, this part of that is also the way the system set up. They don't have time to sit down and teach you when they have, you know, thousands of patients that they have to, to deal with seeing, but I think that there's something empowering about being able to play your own kind of role in it, right? Of like, you know, being able to diagnose yourself a little bit, being able to kind of know what to do when you do put yourself in a situation where uh, you've impaired your health in some way and you have an ability, like you have some, some power in that, you know, you don't have to feel helpless. Like I think so many people do when they have a health issue. You know, I think that's like, it's, it's a big thing that's missing. And I think it's something that gets me so excited about people like yourself who are doing this type of work is that, you know, your business model is a lot different. Than what the standard business model is for for medicine, right? You're trying to actually maybe get rid of clients, right? Like the idea would be that somebody doesn't have to (laughs) keep working with you in the long term, right? Whereas, you know, most doctors, they're needing you to come back and maybe they're not, you know, intentionally trying to make you have to stay with them. But, you know, there's maybe a subconscious pull towards them to, to, you know, keeping their, their customer retention data point going well for them. So I think that's really cool that you're kind of offering that level of care for these people of like, it's not just helping them now. You're helping them in the long term so that when these people are on vacation two years from now and they eat something or they expose themselves to something and then they feel like shit afterwards, they they can know what to do and they don't have to like deal with like feeling like crap for the rest of their vacation and being all anxious, wondering what's going on. I just think that's incredibly empowering.
1: Yes, completely. And part of it too is a lot of these blood work courses I found, you need to pay like $2,000 to get just the basic ranges, like those functional ranges that we talked about, like... They're very hard to find and you have to pay a lot of money to get them. And so I just put together an introductory blood work course that goes through all of the markers and why why those markers are high or low. And it's not $2,000 and just goes through exactly how to look at your blood work, how to prepare for your blood work properly, because that's a big piece not many doctors will tell you that you should go off biotin for five days if you're testing your thyroid uh, because it will throw off your thyroid markers, including your pituitary marker, TSH, and some of your other thyroid markers themselves. And so those little things of how do I prepare properly so I get the right results? And then how do I sit down with my blood work, put it in the Excel document that I prepared for you, and then discover what is actually out of range functionally, and then how do I bring support to the body? And so I really love helping people that's always been my name of the game and I just wanted to provide like an easy understandable like document based and a bunch of videos to just help guide you and in, in figuring out exactly like what is your blood work saying what are your cells saying what is that song that your body is trying to tell you so that you can start picking it together and I think the biggest piece is like, to feel heard and seen because so many of us are not feeling good. And we go to our doctors and we say there's something wrong and they don't understand and they don't see it. And they say that it's in your head. Most of my clients and most of the women and men that have done my blood work course, like message me in tears. Like it makes sense. I feel seen. Yes. I'm not crazy. And that is just like I've been there multiple times in multiple places in my life where I just don't, I'm not heard. I'm not taken seriously. And I, that's probably my favorite part of my job is saying like, I hear you. I see you. Yes, I see the problem. And that is just, oh, it's the best.
0: Yeah, no, it's amazing, and it's so cool because like you're, this is stuff that you've like you've. I feel like you've always been really good at you know creating educational content and and being able to kind of reach people in these unique ways and and help people like you know when you first started doing like the keto stuff that you were helping people in a way that like there wasn't that way for them to get that kind of help back then. Uh, you know there was like that was you were kind of one of the first people that was able to empower people like that. You know women dealing with like hormone issues and stuff who've been going into their doctors and either being put on like a a medicine or not getting, you know, like the feeling of being heard or seen, you know, just kind of saying like, Oh, you're just, you know, you're, you're fine. And then sending you home. Um, It's something that you've always been good at. And I think it's so cool now that you're kind of dedicating those skills that you have towards something that, you know there's even more necessity for like now you're in this space that I don't think there's as many. Like, we've had one person on the podcast that's that talked about some of these things. Uh, Dr. Jabin Moore, we had on uh, earlier this season, and he talked about you know, m- we talked a little bit more about mold with him. I don't think we really got into parasites much, but besides, like, I haven't really seen many people putting out information like this for people. So, you know, I'm just super grateful that you're doing that. And I think there's a lot of people listening to this podcast that, that are as well. And we'll definitely link in the show notes to your blood work course. But for anybody else who's listening to this and is like, you know, hey, I'm, you know, after listening to what you said, I I at least want to maybe start getting myself checked out. You know, maybe I'm a little bit worried. I'm starting to experience some of those symptoms. Uh, Maybe they're interested in working with you. What does that next step look like for them to, you know, get in touch with you and, and start kind of going the Leanne protocol here?
1: Yeah, yeah, you bet. So I put together a free resource at healthfulpursuit.com slash labs. And that'll give you like a list of labs to ask your doctor for. So that's like a good first step. And then if you want to just come hang out with me on Instagram, it's at Leanne Vogel. You can watch some of my reels. There's a bunch of content about parasites and mold and testing and all those things. Everything is available on my website, healthfulpursuit.com. It's H-E-A-L-T-H-F f-u-l-p-u-r-s-u-i-t.com. So hard to spell, so hard to remember. Not my uh, best choice, but it's been with me for 15 years and it's not going anywhere. Yeah, so those are kind of like the places. I'm very active on Instagram. And even if you have questions, um, feel free to DM me. I try to keep up with all of them. So you can just DM me at Leanne Vogel and we can chat about next steps or all those sorts of things. I'm happy to do that.
0: Awesome. That's great, and we'll make sure to link to all of those things in the show notes for everybody, so you have a, a chance to, you know, if you're interested in any of those things, go and check it out. Um, you know, I, I'm just kind of learning about a lot of these things myself, so I'm excited to go check them out. But I can say I've been following Leanne on social media for a long time, and I've always been a big fan of her content. So if at the very least, if this is a topic that maybe you don't think this is something that you're struggling with, Leanne puts out a lot of other great content too. She also has a, a long history of putting out some incredible recipe books. So if you're looking for healthy recipes, you know, that's, it almost feels like that was a past life for you doing that kind of stuff now with with what you're doing now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So there's plenty of, uh, you know, Leanne puts together so much stuff that I think there's something for everybody out there. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. And, you know, there's uh, the, the one topic we didn't get into today that I wanted to talk a little bit more about was the mold stuff. So maybe we can have you on for a second episode where we can get into kind of mold exposure and what we can do with that.
1: Oh, I would love, I love mold. I would love to come <laughs> back and shout about that. So thank you so, so much for having me. This was a blast. It was really good to catch up.
0: Yep. All right. You have a good one. Leanne.
1: I hope you enjoyed our time with Chris interviewing me. Um, Always really fun to share these episodes with y'all. If you want to check out what Chris is doing, uh, his podcast is the Keto Answers Podcast. Okay, we'll see you back here for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast next week, next Tuesday. I'll see you here. Bye. Thanks for listening. Join us next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Looking for more resources? Go to healthfulpursuit.com for keto meal plans, weight loss programs, low-carb recipes, and oodles of free resources to get you going. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up to date medical research. Information is provided without any representation or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.